the stuff they ask us to read to people in church on Sunday morning can be pretty bizarre. This morning's gospel lesson is a case in, in point. Here I am, standing in front of a fairly responsible group of people. And I'm supposed to tell them that Jesus came along, encountered Simon, Andrew, James, and John. He said, follow me. And immediately they left behind their responsibilities, their vocations, their families, and followed after this person they did not even know. And then I guess I'm supposed to say, you should do the same thing. Not likely. I understand why Mark wrote this story the way he did. There was a crisis going on in his community, and people could not wait days or weeks or months to make the most important life decisions. It was, after all, a crisis, and they needed to decide now immediately. He uses the word immediately 31 times in this gospel, twice in the passage I just read. I understand what he was doing, but I need to tell you I have studied these stories and the rest of the gospels, and I do not think that's exactly the way it happened. What I believe happened is that living up in the hills around Nazareth, Jesus began to have thoughts about a different way to be in the world, a different way to understand life, a different way to understand relationships, even relationships to the Roman oppressors. He began to have ideas about a different way to understand God and relate to God. I think what happened is that he wandered down from the hills of Nazareth, walked all the way to the Jordan River, encountered John the Baptist, was baptized in those waters, and then began to wander back up north along the edge of the Sea of Galilee till he reached Capernaum, where this morning's stories take place. At about the same time, 
a woman whose name was Mary. She lived in Magdala, a little town even further north on the Sea of Galilee. And she began to wander south to Capernaum. Jesus began to share those new ideas of him that he had. Share those ideas with Simon, Andrew, Mary of Magdala, James, and John. From time to time, that group would wander off from their families and their way of living, fishing, to be with Jesus on his travels. And then they would wander back home. Sometimes on those travels, they were absolutely amazed at what they saw, the healings, the feeding of thousands. And they began ever more deeply to think about those new ideas about relationships and ways of being in the world that Jesus was sharing. Very slowly, they realized that there was so much more life in this way of being in the world. Eventually, they decided to live that new way. And that living that new way took them away from their vocations and their families. And that new world was so exciting to the rest of the world, it began to change everything. This morning, I want to invite you to think about that process, what they learned and what they shared. So why am I unfolding the story this way this morning? Why am I looking at it other than the way I read it? It's because of what happened in Ridgefield this week. As many of you know, Ridgefield lost three of her sons this week. One boy, 21, at his own hands, and two who were 22 in a fiery car accident. Yesterday I conducted the funeral of Angus Gilmore McConnell. It is not easy to lead that kind of a service. It's exhausting at best. 
shattering at worst. And if I seem shaky this morning, now you know why. After that service, people said I did a good job. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. After a service like that, people tell you you've done a good job. I will be able to put my life back together. I've done services like that before, and I've always been able to put it back together. But it was, was and is so much worse for the families that have lost a son and for the friends who have lost a companion, a soulmate, a classmate, a friend. My hope is that I gave them who perhaps have not been this through this before and don't know how to put it back together again. I hope I shared some of those things that Jesus did about how life can be put together, what makes it worthwhile. I hope those young people and those parents and adults heard me say loudly and clearly that life is worth living even when it's difficult. That no matter how bad it gets, it is better if you can bring love into it, if you can bring life, light, and joy into it. I hope I reminded them that in those moments where those things seem distant, a relationship with God will help you find them. I hope they heard me say, stay together. Keep telling the stories about your life with Angus until you begin to understand them and learn what you need to learn. Don't bury the pain, I told them. Don't bury it particularly in alcohol and drugs. That can lead to more death, not more life. Over the years, I find 
that these stories from Scripture, these messages and words from God, help, help put together a meaningful life, can, can teach us how to be a blessing to others. I hope they heard that. And I hope they heard me say that if their conversations with their family and friends don't turn to be fruitful, I hope they'll call on us. We will listen. We, I said, will walk with them. I said if they need somebody to yell at, come and yell at me. I'm used to it. That's sometimes the gift we can give. So now I want to go back to the stories in front of us and show how they help. The first story is about Jonah. Now, I don't know how many of you know that story, but God called out to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to travel east to the capital city of your enemies, to the city of Nineveh, and I want you to go east to them and say, God's going to destroy you. Jonah did what any reasonable human being would do, probably what you and I would do. He headed west. <laughs> he hopped a ship and headed west. And a storm came up, and the soldiers discerned that God caused the storm because Jonah wouldn't do what God wanted him to do, so they threw Jonah overboard. And Jonah landed in the mouth of a big fish who took him east where God wanted him to be. Any of you who have been in my office and looked at my desk will realize that between where I sit and the computer screen is a carved wooden whale. And out of the whale's mouth is a foot. I know whales can't swallow human beings. But I know God is going to ask me to do some difficult things. God's going to ask you to do some difficult things, particularly as a parent. And we have no idea if doing those difficult things will help or not. 
but we need to be willing to do them. In the gospel lesson, Jesus called people to be fishers of people. Now, those of you who know me know that I love to fish, uh, particularly in salt water. And during that time when we owned a house on an island off the coast of Maine, a lot of parents asked me to teach their children how to fish. Fishing takes patience, not something kids have a lot of. And so parents ask somebody else to teach it. <laughs> and I have this saying, which I repeat again and again, and kids hate it. It says, this endeavor is called fishing. It's not called catching. <laughs> it was, if it was about catching, they'd call it catching. But it's called fishing. It's about being here. It's about learning to enjoy the beauty of God's creation, just being here. It's about learning to pay attention, listening and watching very, very carefully. If you do that well, you may even figure out how to catch fish on this day. What does it mean to be a fisher of people? It means being willing to be with them, to walk besides them, to listen to them very carefully till you figure out what they need to be more whole, what they need so they can be more of a blessing to themselves, their neighbors, and all of creation. We need to figure out how to be with our children here in Richfield. We need to figure out how to listen and walk with them better because too many of them are dying too young. I don't know exactly how to do that. But that's, I think, what God is calling us to do. And I hope we find the love and the wisdom and the courage to be about it. May it be so. In the name of Jesus, amen.